So tonight, I want us to focus upon a scripture in the New Testament, in the book of Philippians. As we think about starting a new semester, a new year, all those things that are kind of new for you, uh, I, I was drawn to this passage of Scripture because it reminds us of, of the newness of the Lord, the goodness that He expresses to us day by day. His mercies are renewed in our lives daily. So I ask you to open the Word of God to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read three verses, verses 12, 13, and 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. And uh, if you're able, I've just asked you to stand because we want to honor the word of our Lord. It's an authoritative word, and we certainly want to hear it uh, with all that God has sent it to accomplish in our lives tonight. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. In verse 13, Rather than I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, that's a powerful statement, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray that you'll bless your word tonight. May we hear what you desire for us to hear. May we respond as you call us unto yourself. Lord, I know that we all bring many different things into this place tonight. Many are trying to figure out things about this campus and about uh, their studies. And Father, they're kind of caught up in all the academics. And, and yet there are others who have those things figured out and they're bringing other issues distressors upon their life and, and struggles that they're having. And I pray tonight, O oh Lord, that as we look into your word, that we'll just humble ourselves before you, and that we'll cast everything unto you, Lord, that by faith we will call upon your great and mighty name. We know that you're mighty to save, and that, Lord, you sustain us day by day. So may we tonight, Father, find strength that comes only in you as we focus upon what you have revealed to us through your precious and beautiful word tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. There's a word that is found both explicitly and implicitly in the scriptures that we have read in these three verses, and it is the word press. To press. The word literally means, in the original language, to pursue. It requires an action uh, for each of us. And the teachings of all these three verses revolve around the call and the command that the Lord gives us to press. When we think about that word press, there are many things that press in on our life, and there are many things that, that we press into in our life. When I think about the word press, I think about priority. If this is important, then I'm going to prioritize it, and I'm going to press toward that in my life. I think about an urgency. If it's important, and I'm going to press into there's an urgency about it. I'm going to put other things aside. I'm not going to focus so much on these other because they aren't that pivotal in my life. And so I'm, I'm pressing with all of my being into that. There's a passion. There's an intensity. There's a, a focus that I find within my life as I press. There's an identity that's found in that. There's an intentionality and strategy you know, in sports, uh, oftentimes, particularly in basketball, uh, teams put on a press, a full-court press. And when that happens, uh, they, they're putting pressure 
There's an acceleration of the game. There's an acceleration of pace by the team that's pressing. They, they become very aggressive in that. They're all in, and it's an all-out effort to try to press the other team in order to gain the ball back to, for, for themselves. So when, when the Scriptures talk, teach us and talk about to press here, it is saying that we are making a decision a very intentional decision that we are going to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ with every fiber of our being. That everything of who we are comes under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ and knowing Christ and serving Christ and living for Christ becomes the highest priority and the ultimate purpose of my life. Everything is defined by that. doesn't matter what degree you get doesn't matter what job you get. It doesn't matter how much income you have. It doesn't matter about all those kind of things. If they're not under the lordship of Christ, then those things only bring us temporary fulfillment. Only Christ gives us that which is eternal. You know, Jesus taught us this. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God. First the not, not, not secondary, not get everything else figured out in your life and then say, now I've got time for you, Lord. No, I seek Him first. I seek His righteousness. And then He promises us there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that all these things will be added unto us. And so when Paul says to press, he simply is echoing the very truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul teaches us in verse 12 to press on. In verse 13, he says to press toward. I, 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 I'm reaching forward in that. And then in verse 14, I press on toward. Very important. But why does he tell us to press? I mean, haven't you got enough to do in your life? I mean, aren't you busy enough? Aren't there another, enough things that are just demanding your time, your energy, your efforts, and you're tired, and you're weary, and you get worn out, and you just don't have another thing you can put on your plate, and now we read in the Bible that I need to press my life in every way to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Well, Paul tells us that. For in verse 12, he says, I have not attained. In verse 12, he says, I have not arrived. I've not yet perfected. In verse 13, he says, I have not apprehended. I'm pressing. I'm pressing hard. I'm pressing with everything that I have. But I, I've yet to attain that. I, I've yet to achieve fully that. I've yet to apprehend everything that can be apprehended in the Lord. And there's a difference in what he is saying on the reality of being spiritually lethargic and spiritually complacent and spiritually uncommitted. I could just nothing and just say, well, I haven't achieved, I haven't attained, I, I haven't apprehended. But that's not what Paul is teaching us at all. It's not because you aren't trying. He is saying you've got to try and press into this every day and continue in your faith. And he defines that in verse 13 when he says, there's one thing that I do. One thing. Just one thing. I'm going to press. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press forward. And I'm going to press toward Jesus Christ every day of my life. So I want to encourage you tonight to press. There are believers that are in this room. 
Many of you grew up in church. You came to know Christ maybe at an early age. You've been in vacation Bible school. You've heard enough sermons. You could preach it better than I'm preaching it tonight. Matter of fact, you're probably thinking that right now. (laughs) You've been around songs, and you can sing them, and you can lift your hands, and you can praise. When you're away from all of that, and and you're in that place where it's you and your relationship with Christ, you don't put as much priority on it. Here it's important because you think other people might be watching you or, or you think other people are judging you and, and, and you don't, you don't want to be that guy or that girl. And, and, and yet when you're away, there isn't that sense of zeal in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not spending time as you ought to day by day. You're not living that scripture-shaped life. You're not spending time in prayer every day the way that you need to. You are passionately devoting your life and pursuing Christ. But yet you would say, well, I'm a a believer, but you're not pressing. You're not pressing. There's some here tonight who may say, well, I I don't have a relationship with Christ. It's kind of new to me. I'm interested. As a matter of fact, I'm here, aren't I? I, I, I'm here because somebody invited me, or I'm here because I smelled the barbecue across campus. But I'm here. And, and, and the Lord is not caught by surprise that you're here. He, he knows you're here. He knows everything about you. And He loves you so completely that He pressed everything of Himself into you. As he gave His life on the cross for your sins. And tonight, he's calling you by faith to press your life into him and to believe in him, to trust in him as Lord and Savior. So I want us to look at the scripture, as we said in verse 12, in verse 13, in verse 14, the concept of press is there. So in verse 12, he calls us to press inward, to press inward. Why is that important? It's important because in that verse, he talks about an incomplete sanctification the complete salvation. An in sanctification. I, I've not yet achieved. I'm not there yet. There's still some things in my life I, I, I need to surrender in a, in a more devoted way unto Christ. So there's an incomplete sanctification. And we deal with that every day of our life. That's why we keep pressing. I want to be more like Jesus. I want my life in every way to glorify Him. I don't want anything in my life to, 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 to bring shame to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not perfected. I want to lay hold. That's the phrase that he uses there in verse 12. Now, Paul is very transparent in, in his testimony. <laughs> I mean, if you read about Apostle Paul in the New Testament, you find that his past was really difficult. Here's a man who was far away from God. Here's a man who was persecuting believers. Here's a man that was down. People say, I love Jesus Christ. He was part of them being put to death. He was trying to wipe out the name and fame of Jesus Christ. And then he encountered the risen Savior. And everything about his life changed at that moment. He surrendered himself fully to press into the Lord Jesus Christ. And most of the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament outside of the Gospels, were written by Paul. 
And so, so much of what we know and what we believe and what, and what we seek to understand of what it means to have a right relationship with Christ are gained through the teachings of this man. But what Paul would say, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, what he would say about his own incomplete sanctification is this. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul would say, what I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate, that seems to be what I do. Anybody can relate to that? I mean, I, I know what I'll do, but I don't seem to do it. <laughs> and, 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 and what I know I shouldn't do, that's what I seem to do. There's an incomplete sanctification that he has there within his life. Sanctification is the process of growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved, and then we go through sanctification every day, becoming more and more like Jesus, a more fully devoted follower of Christ. And so here is Paul saying, I've got to inward because there's just some stuff in my life. There's some junk in my life that doesn't need to be there. And I need to get rid of it. I need to repent of it. I need to praise it, to present it to the Lord, repent of that, confess it, and move on. I don't want to continue doing the things that I hate because the things that I hate, I know, are not bringing honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think a lot of us understand in a very real way. This isn't just some theological, philosophical concept. It's just life. Matter of fact, today, <laughs> there are probably some of us that did something that we knew we shouldn't do, but we did it anyway. And there were things we knew we ought to do, and we didn't do them. Incomplete sanctification. We've got to be humble before the Lord if we press inward. We've got to echo what the psalmist would declare in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We've got to be willing to say, Lord, search me. Lord, I want to be humble before you. I want to be transparent before you. I want to be vulnerable before you, Lord. Why would I not be? Because you know everything about me right now. I can't hide it from you anyway. I can hide it from others, but Lord, you know everything. So Lord, search me and feel anything in my life that is not bringing glory to you, Lord. And may I press into your righteousness, into your holiness. So he says, I've not perfected. I want to lay hold. But then... He talks about a complete salvation. He says, because I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And that's a beautiful statement right there. And if you've experienced salvation, you ought to be rejoicing in your heart this, that Christ laid hold of you, that Christ did not forget you, that Christ has not forsaken you, that Christ has not forfeited you. And even though my sanctification is incomplete, even though there are going to be days that I'm going to sin, in that moment, Christ doesn't let go of me. He's laid hold of me. And He holds on to me because He loves me. And by His mercy and by His grace, He calls me to a deeper walk and a deeper fellowship by making known in my life those things that I need to surrender unto Him. And that's never an easy place to be. 
I don't enjoy that, to be honest. You know, those times that God's conviction just pours down upon me like rain, I'm kind of like, where's the umbrella? I mean, no, nobody enjoys that. But he does that because he loves us. He does that because he cares for us. He does that because we know that we are choosing a path of destruction in our, in our flesh, in our life, and there's nothing on the end of that that's going to result in, in, in activity and in life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, by his Spirit, he convicts us because he's laid hold of us. So salvation is complete. And so what Paul is saying here is this. You're saved, and you're saved to the uttermost. You're saved, and there's nothing that you can do if you've truly surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you can do that's going to cause you to not be saved. Because Jesus is the one that saved you. You didn't save yourself. He laid hold of you. And he has you in his strong grip. And there is nothing that can pluck you out of the Father's hand. But in the midst of that, Paul says, I want to lay hold of what Christ has laid hold of me. I want my life to reflect Christ in me. I want my life to be lived in a way that honors Jesus Christ as Lord. Wow. Man, we get out there and we'll, we'll lie, we'll cheat, we'll steal, we'll be angry, we have greed, we have bitterness, we have secret sins, presumptuous sins, we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We all have that. And the beauty of what Paul is saying is this, is that Jesus Christ went to the cross, and there upon the cross, he took all of those sins of us, the sins of the whole world, upon himself, and he paid in full the price and the penalty for those sins. He lays hold of us with a complete salvation. And now it's my responsibility as a follower of Christ to live my life day by day in sanctification, drawing closer and closer to the Lord. And you got to press on. you got to press into that. That doesn't just happen. You, know, you can get here and, oh man, you can go a month and not go to church. Who's going to know? You know. You can fool a lot of people, but, but, but every, every step you take away from that right relationship with Christ decreases decreases your fellowship with Christ. That's why you got to press. you got to press. It's got to be a priority. It's got to be a passion. It's got to be a zeal. It has to be an urgency every day of our life to press inward in Christ. <laughs> How many of you have ever run a 5K? All right. The people that lay out those tracks are really kind of sadistic people, to be honest, you know. <laughs> you know, part, man, this is great. I'm going to PR this thing, you know. And then you get to the middle. Somewhere along the middle, they're going to figure out something that's going to test everything you've got within you. Either you're going to give up, quit, or you're just going to kind of, you know, meander your way to the end because it's a gut check time. It really is. So I was in Georgia, in the north part of Georgia, running a 5K. And in Georgia, 
they have these things, in case you've never seen them in Florida, they're called hills. And, and if you know what a, what a hill is, okay. And so it's pretty flat. You're going, matter of fact, you got, you got a long downhill, just easy, man. You're just gliding down that thing, you know, pressing on. And then you turn, and, and we're going back, and all of a sudden we hit these roller coaster hills. It's just up and down and up and down. There are four roller coaster hills in a row, and I'm talking they were brutal. So, you know, here you go. <laughs> you either do it or just go home. You know, go big or go home at this moment. I mean, that's where you are. So I got over the first hill. I'm fine. Second hill, I'm fine. Third hill, I mean, I'm just about ready to quit. Somehow or another, I got over the top, and I'm on the last hill, and I'm running. I'm thinking, man, if I can just get over this next hill, I know I can make it to the end. So I'm running, and I, and I hear something. You know, it's just quiet out there. All you're hearing is just, you know, people's feet hitting pavement and all that. And I hear something a little bit louder than that. And it's just getting closer and closer to me. And I'm running up this hill. I mean, I'm giving it everything I've got trying to get up this hill, you know. And, 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 and now I can hear it getting closer and closer. I'm running closer and closer. You know, you don't want to look back. I mean, you know, that's kind of, that's just not, you know, proper to do. And so, so I, I mean, I'm not going to let, let anything, I mean, you know, you're competitive racing within the race, you know, with people. I mean, they, it may be, a, it may be a, an Olympic race but you're going to try to beat them, you know, no matter what. I mean, here you go. And so all of a sudden, in my peripheral vision, I see what's coming up beside me. And it's this young lady. She's probably about 20, 25 years old, somewhere in that range, probably 25-ish. And she's pushing a baby carriage uh, with a baby in it. I mean, you know, she, she's had a baby, and, and, and it's a running carriage. And so I'm going up a hill, hard as I can, and she passes me <laughs> going up the hill. And what makes it even worse is that she looks over at me and she says, you're doing so good, don't quit. I'm like, don't quit. I mean, you've just totally taken the life out of me right here. That's kind of the way it is in our Christian life at times. There's always going to be somebody shining a little brighter. There's always going to be somebody that passes us. There's always going to be somebody that's got it figured out and we're struggling, still trying to get up the hill. Don't quit. Press, 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 press. But he also, within this passage, not only to press inward, but he also says we've got to press out. Notice what he says there in verse 13. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but there's one thing I do. I'm going to forget what lies behind, and I'm going to reach forward. I'm going to press Forward to what lies ahead. So Paul is reminding us as we press outward, we got to forget the past and we've got to focus the present. I can't change tomorrow, but I can make a difference where I am right now. I can't undo yesterday, but I, but I, but I cannot make that same mistake today. So, so, so forgetting the past and focusing the present. And every person here has a past. All of us do. And, and, and the past can paralyze you. It can absolutely paralyze you. I've talked to more Christians who find themselves absolutely stuck because the past that they've been forgiven of is what they're focusing on. They can't move past that. And Satan uses that. Satan uses that in, in, in all of our lives. He uses it to shame you. He uses it to isolate you. He uses, uses it to separate you from others. He heaps these, the, the, this guilt upon your life. He is a deceiver. He lies. 
And, and if we forget the past, Paul is saying, man, I've got a past. <laughs> if anybody's got a past, Paul says, put me at the front of the line. But there's one thing that I've got to do. I've got to forget past because my victory is in Jesus Christ. He is the one who enables me to overcome the past because he forgives me. He forgives me of past. He forgives me of the past. So as you're thinking even right now, you know, th this is in my past, but I'm in Christ, but yet I, I, th th this just has grabbed hold of me. And I, I'm j I just can't move past it. And Paul is saying, forget the past. Focus on the present, on where Christ has you here tonight. Focus on the present. Uh, we just um, celebrated in our family the birth of our fourth grandchild. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty big deal for us. The, the other grandchildren are twins that are 13, Lila and Fisher, boy and a girl. And we got an 11-year-old grandson named Ransom. And, uh, and now we got a newborn. <laughs> uh, his name is Nikolai. He was born on December the 30th, uh, five weeks early, weighed seven pounds and three ounces. I'm telling you, the kid came out ready to go to first grade five weeks early, you know. I'm like, my goodness, you know. But let me let me rewind this story a little bit. Natalie, who is our youngest son's wife, uh, grew up in Russia. And she was put in an orphanage as a child in Russia. Spent probably three to four years of her childhood in an orphanage. Very primitive conditions, very difficult. Imagine what it'd be like. Four years old, five years old, six years old, seven years old, eight years old. People come to that orphanage and they see that child and they take that child and you're left behind. The older you get, probably the less your chances are, you know, that you're ever going to get adopted because they most of them want a baby or a small child and, you know, now you're getting older. Nobody <laughs> wants to fool with that. There was a lady from the state of Florida who went over there and got connected with this orphanage and, um, and um, picked Natalie. She came here to the Tampa area. Actually, this is where, where she was. And uh, she only speak Russian. And at the age of eight years old, she's put in public schools in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> I bet that was an interesting time for her. But man, she has thrived. Uh, just an incredible, her story. Uh, finished school, all the kind of things, uh, uh, finished with her bachelor's degree, went on and got her nursing, and, and she's a charged lead nurse at a hospital uh, today. She and Matt dated for 10 years, and um, I was like, y'all going to ever get married? <laughs> you know, let's get this thing moving, you know, man, that's what I say, but you know, but they stopped in their timing, and, uh, and they got married. And so um, uh, they got pregnant, of course, after a few months after they were married, and uh, and they called us to tell us about it. And uh, just so, I mean, I can't even, I can't even tell you the joy. Uh, just, just incredible. And she asked me, I don't know if she had to have my permission. She said, she said, I want to give him a Russian name because that's all I've got to hold on to in my past. And, uh, and so they chose the name Nikolai. And that's what his name is. Beautiful young boy. As we talked through all this, the Old Testament in Psalm 126, there's a verse that, that, that talks about God's win. 
becomes our then. God's when becomes our then. When God brought her here, then. Everything changed in her life. When God brought her and Matthew together, God's when became a then. They got married. God's when became a then. And now Nikolai, God's when became then. Are we thankful for that? But God takes all of that stuff of the past and he redeems us through that. And his when becomes our then. We've got to focus on that present. Because God has a wonderful plan for all of our lives. He has a plan for my life. He has a purpose for you. And, 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 and that then is the moment that God has prepared. And, and, and that's, what, that's what Paul is teaching us here within this text. One thing I do, I'm going to forget that. God has a when. But I'm going to reach forward because God has a then for my life. God has a then for you even tonight. The last part that we see in verse 14, not only to press inward, to press outward, but in verse 14 to press upward. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Ian referenced how God left everything and pursued us. He first loved us. He ran to us. And we have the joy of being able to run to Him and to give everything of our life to Him and to follow Him and to serve Him, to reach for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, that calling isn't a call to be a pastor. It's a call to be a teacher who is a believer. It's called to be an engineer who's a believer. It's called to be a physician who's a believer. It's called whatever, whatever that is that, that God puts you in, you don't separate the two. You're in that role as one who is a follower of Christ, and there you press toward the prize for the call of the upward call of God that is found in Christ Jesus. That's the beauty. And from this room right here, the Lord can literally change the world because you guys are going everywhere. And you're not just going as somebody who has an occupation, you're going as a believer who happens to have an occupation. And God opens up that door for you to press toward the prize. Press toward the prize. I have the privilege of, um, I preach at a different church every Sunday in the state of Florida. So I could be from Key West to Pensacola. I just, you know, when they call, I just say yes and go. And so we just travel the road. Karen and I spend about 150 nights a year in hotels across Florida. You know, and, and we're an empty nester, so we can do that. And it's an adventure, believe me. Uh, I can tell you what hotels to go to, what not hotels to not go to. I can tell you about any restaurant you want. I can tell you about the rest stop areas. If you're ever in Live Oak, go by the Live Oak Mall, which is the busy that's there. If you're, if you're going up and down, you know, 95, make sure you stop at those Bucky's. They're the best things in the world. I mean, I can tell you anything you want to know about traveling across the state of Florida. Okay, so, so I'm preaching on a Sunday morning uh, at a church, and um they had, they had uh, two services, and it's in the last service. And, and while I'm preaching, there's this young lady uh, who's, who, who's seated probably about halfway back, right at the end of the row. 
And, and I mean, she's just, just engaged. I mean, just listening intently to everything that I'm saying, which is kind of unusual. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't even do that if I was sitting out there, you know, and she's just locked and loaded, you know, listening to everything. And, um, uh, you know, you could tell that, that, that the Lord was speaking through the word in her heart and, and, and it was just something that was happening there. So, you know, we, the church gives an invitation, you know, for people to respond. She didn't respond. And, and uh, you know, of course, church is now over and people are just moving everywhere and people are talking to me here at the front. And, and, and I'm trying to kind of find this, this girl because I could, just, I could just see there was something that was just so heavy on her heart. And I finally caught eye contact with her and she'd about made her way to the back. And she had stopped, and she was just turned around. She was looking back down toward the front. And she looked at me, and then she just started walking back forward. I said, okay, this is great. She's going to come, and I have a chance to meet her and talk to her. So when she got there, uh, she began telling me the story of that morning for her life, and this was it. She said, I'm a, a university student. She's actually a student at that time at Florida State University. Her name was Berkeley. And, uh, and, and she said, uh, I came home this weekend. I just needed to get away. Uh, she said, my home is not a, a healthy place. Um, my, my mom has gone through multiple marriages, and I've just lived through all of that. And uh, she said, I, I just don't, there's never been joy in, in, in my home, but, I, but I just, that's the only place I knew to go. And she said, I have made a mess out of my life. <laughs> she said, I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you the, the relationships I've been in, what I've been involved with, and how I'm living my life, and the hurt, and the pain, and the shame, and the abuse. She said, she said all of it is all right here, right here. She said, so this morning I got up, and I said to myself, you ought to go to church. So I don't know why I hadn't been in church. And I think she said, the last time I think I went to church was vacation Bible school. And that's just because they wanted to get me out of the house. <laughs> so they sent me down to church, to vacation Bible school. And she said, but just something today said, you, you, ought, to, you ought to go. She said, I just felt that. She said, so I got dressed and I left. She said, so I, I just start driving down this road. It was a main road that went through the, through the city there. And she says, so I just stopped at the first church I got to. But I got out, went inside. So I sat down and in about five minutes, something inside me just said, this isn't where I need to be. She said, how do I know where I need to be? She said, so I just got up and left. Got up and left. So I went in the church, sit there five minutes. Just got up and left. Got back in my car. Just kept going. Said, came to this next church, and I stopped. And it was this church. And she said, now I know why God stopped me here. She said, because everything today that I've heard, it's like you know everything about my life. I said, Berkeley, I've never met you before. I said, I don't know anything about your life, but I know one who does. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he loves you. and He cares for you. And through all of that pain, through all that guilt, through all of the hurt that you have in your heart today, Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to make you whole. She looked at me, this beautiful young lady, tears in her eyes, and she says, do you think that Jesus would love somebody like me? <laughs> Imagine that. Feeling that you have just messed up so your life is in such a place that God would turn his back on you. God would just say, that's it. I'm done with him. I'm done with her. There's just, there's just no hope. It's just, that's it. I mean, just, just 
just no, no hope at all. Man, what a joy to be able to look at her and say, I can promise you that Jesus still loves you. I can assure you that Jesus still loves you. We talked about what it meant to have a personal relationship. I mean, church is over. I mean, there's a few people just, just stayed in the building because I'm sitting down here with this, this girl. You know, my wife's sitting there, you know, and, and we're sitting on the front row. We're talking about all this. And, um, and man, she just listened and she said, I want to do this today. One thing I do. She knew there was one thing she needed to do. That was surrender her life to Christ. And because of that, she could forget the past. She could reach forward. Because she became a new creature, born again through Jesus Christ's death. So tonight, I don't know where your struggles are. Matter of fact, I, I know two or three names in this room. Well, I've been told me, but I've probably forgotten most of them. But that's not important. What's important for you to know tonight is that Jesus Christ knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. And you put all of that junk out there before him and say, because I've done all of this, I'm not worthy, as if that's a point of departure from Christ. I want to tell you that's the place of entry because you've got to recognize those things and, and repent of those things and confess those things unto the Lord. And in that moment, as you're willing to press unto him, he's already laying hold of you. And He tonight will forgive you of your sins. He'll forgive you of everything. He'll save you. For you can press toward the mark of the prize, upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. So there are some here tonight who have never made that decision. And I pray that this will be the very evening, the very time. There will never be another moment like this. I just want you to know that. There will never be another moment that you'll have this kind of opportunity. This, is, this will never be replicated again. And tonight God has hold of you. He has your attention. He has your heart. And he's speaking to you because he first loved you. And he loved you when you weren't even loving yourself. He's given everything for you. He, he did for you what you can't do for yourself. And he calls you by name unto him. And tonight you can come to Christ. It's like Berkeley did that day. You can be saved.